It's a chronic inflammatory bowel disease that affects over a million people throughout the U.S. Ulcerative colitis can affect anybody in the second and third decades of life is when it most commonly occurs. For many, it's controllable with medication, while other patients don't respond to these treatments and require surgery. It sort of depends on how severe the disease is, but generally at least 50% of patients will ultimately end up having surgery. Which in severe cases can result in the removal of the colon. A lot of people look at it as the final step for this disease, getting your colon removed. From the day I'd been diagnosed, the dreaded worst case scenario was always doing colon removal and within three days of arriving at Freighter, I was colon free. On today's show, discover hopes for a new medication and a successful surgical procedure for treating ulcerative colitis inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freighters Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. In 2015, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that over 3 million Americans suffer from inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Focusing today on ulcerative colitis, while there's not yet a full understanding of what causes it, there have been advancements being made in treating it with medications or, in severe cases, with surgery. To learn more, we spoke with Dr. Daniel Stein, Associate Professor and Director of the Inflammatory Bowel Disease Program at Freydert and the Medical College of Wisconsin, who provides a brief description of ulcerative colitis or UC. Ulcerative colitis is one component of something called inflammatory bowel disease. Ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune condition where the body's immune system that normally fights infection is attacking the colon for reasons we don't fully understand. There's different types of UC based on how much of the colon is affected. If just the rectum, which is the very last part of the colon, is involved, we call that ulcerative proctitis. Just the left side of the colon, we call that left-sided colitis, and if it extends throughout the entire colon, we'll refer to that as ulcerative pancolitis, meaning the entire colon is involved. Not much is known about what causes it. As of right now, we don't have a magic bullet. There's a genetic component. There certainly is an environmental component. What about stress? Well, stress doesn't cause ulcerative colitis, but stress can certainly negatively impact ulcerative colitis and how patients perceive their ongoing symptoms. Symptoms such as bloody diarrhea, urgency, where they have to rush to the bathroom. People can develop weight loss, they become anemic, so they can be quite sick to the point that they're hospitalized. Who's typically affected by it? Ulcerative colitis can affect anybody 
in the second and third decades of life is when it most commonly occurs. But it's important to remember it can affect anybody at almost any age. Once someone presents symptoms, how is a diagnosis confirmed? Ultimately, the final diagnosis rests with having a colonoscopy where the gastroenterologist can look at the colon, take biopsies, and show those biopsies to our pathologist who will then confirm the diagnosis of ulcerative colitis for us. Oftentimes, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are mentioned together, but how are they different? Crohn's disease can affect anywhere along the GI tract from your mouth all the way down to your anus. Ulcerative colitis, as the name implies, only affects the colon. Dr. Stein says ulcerative colitis can be treated with a variety of medications. Milder disease is treated with oral therapy that acts in a topical fashion on the lining of the colon. More severe diseases, patients may take biologic agents to target specific inflammatory molecules within the body that drive ulcerative colitis. Fortunately, many medications have proven to be effective. For most patients with ulcerative colitis, we can get them into remission or if not, give them a meaningful response and control of their disease. However, he adds, There are unfortunately patients with ulcerative colitis that just don't respond to medical therapy at all. That number has remained relatively steady between 5 and 10%. That's when surgery may become necessary. In extreme cases, it could mean removal of the patient's colon. We'll hear from a patient whose battle with ulcerative colitis led to a colectomy later on today's show. But remember, many UC patients do respond positively to medications. In fact, Dr. Stein is leading a clinical trial to test a new medication for treating it. Let's learn more by bringing in Kayla Pierce. Thanks, Brian. We asked Dr. Stein to share details of this multi-site clinical trial, beginning with the name of the trial medication. The name of the drug is upadacitinib. It's a difficult thing to say. No kidding. Let me try this. Upadacitinib. Okay, got it. So, what's different or innovative about upadacitinib in treating ulcerative colitis? It's a drug that is a, a small molecule, and it's innovative in the world of inflammatory bowel disease, contrast to those biologics that are large molecules. He elaborates. In particular, it's different compared to the biologic therapies that have to be administered either by an IV or by an injection underneath the skin. This is an oral medication, so we have high hopes for a quicker uptake of the medication. Is this a brand new drug or is it already being used to treat other conditions? This one is related to something that's on the market right now called tofacitinib. Upadacitinib inhibits more specific within the body. So it's thought that we're going to see fewer side effects than we see with tofacitinib. This clinical trial is actually divided up into three sub-studies. The first two are intended to determine effectiveness and correct dosage of the study drug. Early stages where we're looking at how well does the drug work to get the patient who is feeling crummy back to feeling well. There's different doses of the medication that are used, so with any clinical trial, we're looking to see what dose is going to be most effective and the safest. So there's some dose-ranging components of the trial. The third sub-study is a maintenance trial. Once the patient gets into remission with the correct dosage of the study drug. Ulcerative colitis is a lifelong disease if you don't have your colon removed. So there is some sort of maintenance therapy that needs to take place. So there's a follow-up trial, a maintenance of remission trial that follows up with those early induction of remission trials. This is a randomized clinical trial, which means only some of the patients will get the study drug. 
But Dr. Stein says those getting the placebo can later get the study drug if needed. For our patients that get randomized to placebo, if they're failing on the sugar pill, there's an open label extension after a short period that they could then get open label study medication to see if they do respond at that time. Meanwhile, others do get varying doses of upadacitinib. They get randomized to different doses. This medication is a pill they take daily. They continue to maintain a diary of their symptoms on a daily basis. To follow up on the colonoscopy that they get at the beginning of the study, at the end of the study, they'll also have a colonoscopy to assess how well that lining of the colon responds to the therapy. How long is the study medication taken? The induction trial is 12 weeks long. It's how long they'll take it, and then the maintenance trial, if they qualify for that, that will be a year total for them. So is this a progressive clinical trial where participants complete one sub-study before moving on to the next? Correct. They have to complete the induction part and be in remission and have a good response to the therapy before they can then be put into the maintenance part of the trial. What are the specific requirements for participation? They have to obviously have ulcerative colitis and they have to be doing poorly at that time. At the beginning of the trial, there is actually inflammation in the colon before being included in the trial. As with any clinical trial, there's potential risk. Because we're suppressing the immune system with this medication, there is risk of infections. This is though no different from any other therapy that we currently use to manage our inflammatory bowel disease patients. Most of the medications we use do suppress the immune system in some way, so there's always a small risk of infections. Some of the things we've seen with its predecessor drug, tofacitinib, elevated cholesterol, as well as increased risk of blood clots. So that's something that's monitored throughout this trial to see if we see anything similar to that. Dr. Stein says he's hopeful to identify another viable treatment for ulcerative colitis. My ultimate hope is that we see that it's a safe and effective therapy for our patients that gives us one more weapon in our arsenal to treat our ulcerative colitis patients. And then there's a number of other steps that need to take place before it ultimately gets approved by the FDA. In the meantime, there are other effective medications for treating it. We have a lot of different therapies to treat our ulcerative colitis patients. In addition, we're getting better every day at learning how to use those therapies. What we did 10 years ago is much different than the way we practice and manage our ulcerative colitis patients nowadays. And that's why it's important to at least seek out a second opinion at an academic medical center. And he says participation in clinical trials is incredibly important towards progressing what we know in medicine. There is benefit to the patient, particularly if the study medication works. Probably more importantly, there is benefit to other patients in the future. We're able now to have six different therapies approved for ulcerative colitis because of clinical trial work that has been done in the past. We'll post a link to info on this and other clinical trials on our CTSI website along with the podcast of this show. Unfortunately, medications aren't always effective in treating a patient's ulcerative colitis. In severe cases, a patient's colon can be so compromised by disease that it needs to be removed and replaced by what's known as an ileo J pouch. We'll learn more by turning to an expert. Dr. Kirk Ludwig is a professor and chief of colorectal surgery at Fredert and the Medical College of Wisconsin. 
Dr. Ludwig begins by explaining when surgery is typically necessary for treating ulcerative colitis. Usually we perform surgery on patients with ulcerative colitis for one of three reasons. Sometimes it's because they have these precancerous changes in their colon which will lead them to surgery. Sometimes it's because they're really sick and sometimes it's just because they have gone through all the medications and nothing really seems to be working very well. What percentage of patients end up having surgery for their UC? It sort of depends on how severe the disease is, but generally at least 50% of patients will ultimately end up having surgery. One common surgery for patients is an ileoanal anastomosis, also known as a J-pouch. Dr. Ludwig explains this is actually a series of surgical procedures the patient has. A two-stage approach used to be more common and nowadays in the era of the biologic medications there's some thought that by virtue of the fact that they're on biologics it's better to do a three-stage approach. So what are the surgeries Dr. Ludwig performs on a UC patient undergoing a J-pouch procedure? He describes the first stage. For ulcerative colitis we'll take out the colon and the rectum, and then leave the anus. In the absence of a colon and rectum, an ileostomy is created for the patient. The ileum is the last part of the small intestine, so whenever you make an ileostomy, it's just essentially bringing the small intestine to the skin and sewing it to the skin. So this is where your waste comes out. Which means that the patient wears a bag attached to the ileostomy to collect waste, but the need for an ostomy bag is only temporary. After a period of healing, the second surgery is performed to create the J-pouch inside the patient. Dr. Ludwig describes this process. So the J-pouch is, you take the last little bit of the small intestine, which is called the ileum, and you turn it backwards on itself and make a pouch out of it. And then that pouch gets connected to the anus. And so the pouch becomes the quote-unquote new rectum, if you will. So it just basically provides a little reservoir for the bowel movement to go into so it's basically just taking a place of the rectum. That's how it functions. Where does the name J-pouch come from? The J-pouch is shaped like a J. We construct this little reservoir in the shape of a J. So that's why it's called a J-pouch. But in fact, there are other types of pouches. So sometimes we'll make an S-pouch. In the past, people made other types of pouches, but the vast majority of the time, we construct the J-pouch. Waste does not pass through the J-pouch right away the patient continues to have a temporary ileostomy. So when you connect the J-pouch to the anus, we will make a temporary ileostomy a little bit upstream from that. And the reason we do that is to keep any bowel movement from going down into the J-pouch until we're happy that it's healed. So you have this temporary ileostomy above that, and that's called a loop ileostomy. Once the J-pouch heals, there's the third surgery. The third surgery is getting rid of that loop ileostomy. Of the three operations, this is the quickest. Surgery usually takes 45 minutes. Of all the operations, that's probably the simplest for the patient. Following the third surgery, patients have normal bowel movements, although often with higher frequency. Most people that have a J-pouch will have four to six bowel movements per day, which may seem like a large number, but most people have a dramatic decreasing amount of urgency they have. The reason is the pouch expands as more bowel movement moves into it. Most people can just hold on for long periods of time and do just fine like that. In general, 
How successful is J-Pouch surgery? Well, it's actually quite successful, you know. If you look at functional results, about 80% will have a good or excellent functional result. The bottom line is, if you ask patients with a J-Pouch how satisfied they are, you're always going to find 90% or more are quite satisfied with the results of their surgery. In the absence of a colon, is the patient in essence cured of their ulcerative colitis? Yeah, they are actually. And so you get away from a lot of these powerful drugs. And yeah, you are sort of cured of your ulcerative colitis. The colon part of it is taken care of by surgery. But having a J-pouch doesn't necessarily mean you're issue-free. It's a complex operation. And there are things that will keep patients around doctors for example, 50, 60% of them will eventually have an episode or two of what's called pouchitis, which is where the pouch gets inflamed and that requires a course of antibiotics. And it's not a perfect solution. If the surgery was simple, if it worked every time, and if the complication rate was close to zero, then everybody would say, well, yeah, I'm just going to have surgery. It's not always a simple matter. But Dr. Ludwig says, by and large, the J-Pouch surgery gives people back their quality of life. By the time people head towards surgery, they're having significant troubles. They've been in the hospital. They have quality of life issues. The disease causes all these unpleasant things that the surgery, by and large, can get rid of. It does change your life. But I would say that for most people, it changes their life for the better. And the prospect of getting quality of life back should outweigh any concern about having J-pouch surgery. I always tell people that you want to be healthy. You know, at some point people get sick of being sick and you go from one medication to another medication, there is a solution. It's not doom and gloom. It should be, yeah, I have another solution and that's going to be an operation and my quality of life should be good afterwards. Finally, Dr. Ludwig says that even if a J-pouch isn't the answer, surgery might still be. Even if you have to have an ileostomy as your ultimate surgery, you can actually have a really good quality of life. So being healthy with an ileostomy is better than being chronically sick without one. And at some point, the ultimate goal is just to make yourself better. What's it like living with ulcerative colitis? What's it like having your colon removed and then undergoing J-pouch surgery? Today, we have a personal look at each of these experiences. This is Bo, a young working professional. I'm 24 years old. I currently live in New York City, where I work in investment management. Living the prime of his life. Of course, I hang out with the people in the city all the time, like to go to different shows or coffee shops. There's no shortage of stuff to do in New York City. Growing up, Bo was always a healthy kid. My overall health was great. I was an athlete my entire life. No signs of disease or anything that would have led me to believe that there was ever an issue. Until suddenly, there was an issue. I actually remember the day very distinctly because I just remember that day having to use the restroom three or four times and passing blood, which was not okay. The kid who was always healthy now wasn't. Bo was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I was diagnosed just after my 19th birthday. I had just finished my freshman year of college playing college lacrosse. Right around the time I returned home is when I got sick. Had he ever heard of ulcerative colitis before his diagnosis? No, I had no concept of what ulcerative colitis was. Including not knowing that it's a chronic disease. I just remember first asking, is this forever? And realizing, unfortunately, the answer was yes. That was the 
very sobering moment of it all. By the time he was diagnosed, Bo had seen his quality of life change quite dramatically. I mean, it was pretty horrible. Like that first summer, I was just going to the bathroom so frequently. It certainly became a massive issue. Not wanting to interrupt his college life, he transferred to Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. His disease went with him. A lot of my friends were out doing various things that I just wasn't doing at that time because I A, wasn't healthy enough and B, had to worry about going to the restroom 15 times a day. To treat his UC, Bo was put on medication. The first medication I remember being on was called sulfasalazine. That alone did not do the trick for me. No problem. There's plenty of other medications. I was then put on a medication called Eucerus, which did actually put me into remission. So for a while, his ulcerative colitis was under control. It even got to the point where I told my parents, I feel like I don't even have it anymore. And I kind of just thought I could continue on like that forever. Like it's never gonna take a turn. And then it took a turn. I was at school one day, went to use the restroom and passed blood again. I remember calling my parents and kind of having a little bit of a breakdown then. And it was really hard. Bo found himself taking more medications. Moving on to prednisone, which started to fail. So we needed to take the next step, which were biologic medications. The first was called Humira. It became clear that wasn't going to do the trick. As medications continued to fail, he decided to try a different route. At that point, I was so fed up that I just said, we're going to try to control it with some of these other holistic things people seem to find success with. How did that work? I was never even close to remission the entire time. And so we kind of regrouped with our GIs and they weren't super pleased with the fact that I had not taken any medications for about five months. So back to more medications. Going on Remicade and I started having symptoms again. It was just heading south. He was running out of available options. The last medication to try was Antibio. That was not even close to great success on that one because I had some type of reaction to Antibio that was essentially locking up my joints. I literally could not walk. That was, of course, terrifying. Despite his struggles, Bo refused to let ulcerative colitis stop him. I was determined to finish school, and yet I was fighting this colitis flare that whole time and just limped my way through school. However, his condition continued to worsen. I was using the restroom at least 20 times a day. I started rapidly losing weight, and I was hospitalized at school. I had gone from 200 pounds when I was playing lacrosse, and I was hospitalized at 130. 38 pounds, shockingly skinny. I wasn't even eating at that point. Having failed all UC medications and declining rapidly, Bo had to leave college. I ended up having to leave straight from the Ithaca Hospital, and my parents drove me directly to Fredert Hospital, which was a 16-hour drive. Once there, it was determined that the advanced stage of his UC made surgery his remaining option. And within three days of arriving at Fredert, I was colon-free. At just 21 years old, Bo underwent a full colectomy. A lot of people look at it as the final step for this disease, getting your colon removed. From the day I'd been diagnosed, the dreaded worst case scenario was always doing colon removal. But he quickly realized that having his colon removed wasn't the worst case scenario. In fact, it made him feel... Oh, amazing. Past the actual physical recovery from the surgery, I felt great. I was told going into it, you're going to wish you did this earlier which I do knowing I never feel the same way that I did before. Still, he had to adjust to life without a colon. 
One major adjustment is having what's called an ileostomy, which is rerouting your small intestine to what's called a stoma, and so you'll pass waste then into an ostomy bag. Being only 21 at the time, it just seemed so extreme. That would never be me. But here I was, and you know, it was me. Fortunately, having an ostomy is only temporary thanks to the J-Pouch procedure. In fact, we spoke to Bo on the eve of his J-Pouch surgery. I will be on an operating table in less than 12 hours undergoing the J-Pouch surgery, and that's gonna allow me to retain and digest food in a more controlled way, the same way that your colon would do previously, and you'll be able to pass food normally. Which, of course, means... I will no longer need an ileostomy. I'll no longer have an ostomy bag. Of course, there are certain fine details that are never gonna be quite the same, but all in all, you can come back from this. Just like Bo came back from having his colon removed, the time is right for having his next J-Pouch surgery. Dr. Kirk Ludwig. We would like to do the construction of the J-pouch when the patient is healthy. When somebody is really sick in the hospital, you just want to get rid of the colon, which gets rid of most of the disease, and then do the really important part of the operation at a later date. On the eve of surgery, Bo's healthy, upbeat, but he does have concerns. Some completely rational. There is the possibility for issues with the actual J-pouch. It has a very high success rate, but you never know. There's people who get the J-pouch reversed and go back to an ileostomy. And some maybe slightly less rational. I've been very fortunate to have little to no complications. And so I get nervous about how many times in a row can you not have any complications? That's not how medicine works, but it's hard to not feel that way sometimes. But he becomes philosophical when considering the the relatively small possibility that his J-pouch might not work. As hopeful as I am that this really does work and I can get back to how I felt before, if the worst case scenario is exactly how I am right now, I'm still pretty lucky. Is he more nervous or excited? In this moment, I am more nervous, but that's only because of how close it is. And I know deep down I am really excited. You know, medicine's amazing. Three weeks have passed. He's had his J-pouch surgery, and Bo says, overall, I'm feeling pretty good. I still have soreness, and if I move certain ways, I can still feel some tightness going on. So, was the surgery a success? Yeah, it was a successful procedure. Dr. Ludwig went in and constructed the actual J-pouch, which will ultimately allow me to no longer have an ostomy. He does have a pretty wicked scar down his abdomen. Pretty intense, 10 inches. Roughly. It's pretty big. It's bigger than I thought it was going to be. His recovery started out a bit rough. The first week or so was really rough. A lot of pain and highly medicated at that point. But maybe after the first week of being home, you kind of turn a corner and just day-to-day -day existing is not horrible. And there's some adjusting that occurs. Both of these surgeries have shortened my digestive tract. You have to figure out what you can eat when you eat versus how long after your output's going to be, what that's going to be like. The larger portion of the recovery is actually the digestive transition. It's not necessarily physical pain from the procedure. As far as any complications from surgery, remember Bo's concern? I get nervous about how many times in a row can you not have any complications? Well, good news. His streak of surgeries without complications continues. With regard to surgical complications, so far I've been very lucky and had essentially none. To be clear, Bo still has an ostomy for now. I still have an ileostomy because right now I'm in this healing period internally, which is going to last about three months. 
at which time I'll go back, the surgeon will reconnect the whole system, and at that point, you should be healed internally and allowed to pass food through it. He looks forward to this third and hopefully final surgery. I'm very excited. You know, I was dreading the second surgery, but now that I'm past that one, I really just can't wait to get the third one. Hopefully my J-Pouch system works the way it's supposed to, and I can put some of this behind me. And getting back to things he's missed doing. Physically active stuff I was used to doing without having a medical appliance that's physically on my body that I protect at all times. In addition to that, the ability to eat foods that I'm not eating right now. I'll have to see what works and what doesn't with the new J-Pouch. There is one concern he has about his new J-Pouch, that it works. There's always the chance that your body just rejects the J-Pouch, just never really take to it from the start and end up going back to an ileostomy permanently. It's pretty rare, but it's always a reality check. And if he does find himself in that small percentage of UC patients whose J-pouches fail... It would be disappointing, of course, but knowing what I know now and just having the hindsight that I do with how horrible the disease was for me, if the worst case scenario is I go back to the same way I was, life's not that bad. Just that first surgery alone really gave me my life back, and now this is the cherry on top. But the odds for a successful outcome are in his favor, which is why... I just want to get to a point where I can kind of forget about it. You know, I've met some people who have gone years with a successful J-Pouch and it's not on their mind every day all day. Where for me, it is. And I want to just be able to live life as if it never happened. Even though he realizes that there are always going to be symptoms that I might have. So I don't think you're ever going to be 100% free. Still, he's never going to let ulcerative colitis win. I made a promise to myself and my family and all those around me. I wasn't going to let any of this stuff define who I am, but also just what I'm going to do. The only way to guarantee that this disease beats you is if you let it beat you. So for other UC patients, would Bo recommend considering J-Pouch surgery? Absolutely. You know, it's tough to say, hey, go get surgery, because I actually had people tell me the same thing and I thought they were crazy, but it really saved my life. I got to a point that it just had to be done, and I wish I would have seen that coming before it got to that point. Because whereas his condition used to have him feeling desperate, no control. I just couldn't do anything about it. Today, Bo is optimistic. I feel much more optimistic about what the outcome of this could be. And out of that optimism springs his desire for being an ambassador for ulcerative colitis. I want to help other people because I've been fortunate to have some people there for me. He has. I know because I'm one of them. You see, Bo is my son. That's all for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Daniel Stein, Dr. Kirk Ludwig, and special thanks to Bo for openly and honestly sharing his experiences and challenges battling and overcoming ulcerative colitis. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, along with Kayla Pierce, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.